Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Welcome, everybody. Can we all stand to our feet? We're going to worship the Lord. God is good all the time. Are you ready to worship the Lord today? Come on, today is the day that the Lord has made. Who is going to rejoice and be glad in it today? Come on, let me see your hands. Yep. You know, the Bible, there's a passage in the scriptures that when the scribes were asking Jesus, said, which is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love, in the cathedral of faith, this is a place where the love is lived out. How many are going to obey this greatest commandment today? We're going to enter into a time of worship. This is where we get to express our love to God as he has expressed his love toward us. And we have a very special worship service for you today. We get to be led into worship by none other than Nia Allen, the, a gospel recording artist who has been a number one billboard gospel artist who sung with the likes of CeCe Wines and the list goes on and on and on. But today she's right here and she's gonna lead all of us into a place of worship. And I want us all to give her a great big Cathedral of Faith San Jose welcome. Welcome Miss Nia Allen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, Cathedral of Faith. Did anybody come ready to worship the Lord today? I'm excited to be with you. I'm going to teach you a new song. It's a, it's a love song to the Lord. Are you going, you going to help me sing? Yeah. The song just says, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. There we go. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. Can you help me sing that? Say, Never ending song, joy overflows, it overflows, it 
everybody just shout out, Lord, I love you. Tell them, Lord, I adore you. There's nobody like you. Sing, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, Jesus. Sing it from your heart. Tell them. that is here. We thank you for everything that we need is in your presence. Joy is in your presence. Peace is in your presence. Love is in your presence. And we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this room. Can you lift your hands and say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are invited.
our prayer today of your presence, God. God, open our eyes, open our ears. Let us experience your glory, oh God. Ask him, let us of the Lord and we're just getting started we're just getting started I believe that God has ordained each and every one of us to be here at this moment to cross our paths but to also sit at the feet of the cross call upon the name of the Savior I believe that souls are going to be saved I believe that souls are going to be set free I believe that souls are going to be healed I believe that bodies are going to be healed if God shows up in the room, that's what he does. He's not playing a role, that's just who he is. So when you get in the presence of a healer, 
somebody's going to get healed. You get in the presence of a Savior, he can't help it, but somebody's going to get saved. You get in the presence of a Creator, he's going to inspire you to dream and create a life worth living. Cathedral Faith, I'm so glad that you're here. We're gonna have an amazing time. Pastor Wayne is gonna bring us an incredible word. And I just believe, I hope that this song has become a catalyst for the moment, that we would be so aware of his presence. We're not just gathering, this is not just a great social club where you get to see and hear cool things. We're in the house of God. We're in the presence of our Savior. And I pray for each and every person that is here, those who are watching online, those who are in the amphitheater and the parking lots. I pray, Lord, that you, by your virtue of your Holy Spirit, would just capture somebody's attention, grab a hold of somebody's heart, grab a hold of somebody's family, and I pray that you would do miracles, signs, and wonders in their life. God, I believe that this is just the start of a moment. So God, we pray your blessing over the rest of this service. Anoint Dr. Wayne to deliver this word with clarity, with power, with conviction. And I pray that you would open our ears and eyes and our hearts to receive everything you have for us. God, may we not put a ceiling on what you're able and wanting to do in this moment. God, I pray that you would also lift our spirits today that we as the people of God would come around your presence and we would celebrate what you're doing and celebrate what you have promised to do in all of us. We love you and we shout your praise in the Cathedral of Faith today. And all of God's people shouted. Come on, just a few more moments. Come on, lift your voice, respond. Respond to the presence of God. Respond to the move of God. Respond to the promise of God. Hallelujah. Come on and give him a shout of praise. Hey. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Cathedral of Faith, everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. The love is lived down and anything is because we serve an amazing God. If you're grateful that you do, before you are seated, come on one more time. An ovation of praise for the King. A shout of praise for the Savior. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Hello, Cathedral friends and family. We've got some exciting things coming up. Here's what's going on. First off, if you're new around here, welcome. We'd love for you to stop by the tent in the amphitheater following service for a free cup of coffee and to meet some of our staff. We also have this fancy card on the seat back in front of you. If you're in the amphitheater or in the drive-in, you can get one from one of our team members. You can take it out and scan the QR code where you'll get information on how to get connected, volunteer, give, and submit a prayer request. Next week on Sunday, October 30th, we have a free breakfast for all of our single adults. Don't worry, this is not some kind of a dating service. It is just a fun time to get together and fellowship with one another. Breakfast will be in the Horton Youth Center from 10 o'clock to 10.45. For questions, 
you can contact Pastor Kent. Well, our youth have been working tirelessly on an outreach production that is happening this coming weekend. Tricked is a live production about a group of high school friends who face chilling choices and deceiving deals on Halloween. What will happen? It's a great opportunity for students to invite their friends. Tickets are available on our website. For everything that is happening here at the church, you can download our new app, check out the church website, or give us a call at the office. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Lauren. Well, good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Isn't it a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord? We're so glad you're here. Welcome to all those folks out in the amphitheater, in the cars, those watching online, and of course, right here in our main auditorium. Our prayers before you leave today, we're believing that you'll know how much God really loves you and how much you matter to God. Amen? Well, a lot of exciting things are happening, so again, check out our website, follow us on social media, and I'm really grateful and thankful for how God has linked us up with other people and ministries that are help loving people in our community, and one of those ministries is Real Options. We've been partnering them for over 20 years, and they're just doing an amazing job in supporting women, and I want, to hear, I want you to hear from one woman's story on how Real Options has made a difference in their life. There was moments of confusion, moments of uh, desperation, moments of disbelief, and, and it was just terrible. It was during those times that I felt myself basically alone without any help from no source, without um, close friends that I could, that I could trust, that I, that I started to lose faith. From the very first when I came in, it was different than any other places that I visited before because um, I could have the feeling that somehow they care about the person that came in. But mostly what I needed at the time was someone that I could speak to, that um, could listen to me. And I just, I just found it. They offered me a, a friendly hand when I needed most. And it's her first time. I want you to welcome Tina Amoroso from Real Options as she shares with you what God is up to at Real Options and how you can get connected. Well, thank you so much for having me and taking the time to listen um, to about our, re about our organization. Um, and I thought I would share the story of Carolina um, and her heart and um, she is a patient with a patient testimony. And so before Carolina discovered real options, um, she was confused and she wasn't sure, she was desperate. Um, but we listened to her real options, listened to her and addressed her concerns. Um, and we focused on life because we are in the business of Jesus and um, helping to change lives. And so we have um, three branches of ministry. Um, our first one is prevention. So we go out to 
public schools, private schools, um, local communities, um, all through middle school as well as college. And we teach others um, or students about boundaries and um, matters of the heart. Um, we also have interventions. So for those who need um, care through our clinics, we provide ultrasound, prenatal care, um, STD um, testing, and um, we also um, have abortion pill reversal. And that um, I love that one because even though when someone chooses to terminate their pregnancy, they have a choice at the very first couple of um, days to change their mind, which is amazing on what God can do. Um, and then we have re restoration. And this is for those who um, may have had a pregnancy loss of any kind. So whether it be infertility, abortion, um, miscarriage, stillbirth, or even those who um, have chosen to find a loving, op, a loving adoption family for their child, such as me at a young age, um, there is restoration and healing. Um, our team is also growing, so we are asking that if you would like to volunteer, um, we're asking for healthcare, nurses, a medical professional, and um, if you just like to give your heart to those in need, um, you're welcome to join our team. And last but not least, we have what's called Ignite Life, and that is one of our largest events. It's um, our two events, our Walk for Life and Ignite Life. And Ignite Life is, um, it's an amazing evening of um, just being, um, inspired and having hope, and we all need that these days. And um, it's a free buffet dinner, and you get to hear about who we are, exactly what we do, um, seeing a live ultrasound, um, and our guest speaker um, who travels all over about his personal testimony with abortion and from our CEO. So I hope to see you guys there, and um, thank you again for having me. Yeah. And if you'd like to have more information, Tina's going to be at kiosk number four right after service. You can uh, talk to her, thank her for all the great work they're doing, and see how you may want to plug in. So thank you to all the church family for helping us be a blessing to those not only in our community, but around the world through your giving of your time, of your talent, and your resources. Thank you so much. There's easy ways to give. You know, you can give online through our app. You can text to give, or you can simply give uh, to the ushers on your way out. Well, how many are ready to receive what God has for you today, amen? How many know God's word comes to upgrade our life? And, and Dr. Wayne has an amazing word from God. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, God's come to upgrade. Get ready for your upgrade right now as we continue our series 10. Good morning, Cathedral family. Let's all stand together. We've been going through the Ten Commandments over the last few weeks, and it's an important time for us to understand what God desires of us. But if you were to ask Jesus at any point, what's the most important commandment, he very clearly says this, 
I want you to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's his answer to everything. If you take any commandment in the Bible and boil it down, it comes down to those two things, loving God and loving others. And this week, we're going to take a look at one of those commands. In the original Hebrew, it's only two words. In English, it's four words. It's pretty short. If anybody ever wants to memorize a scripture like this, here we go. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, here's what it says. You shall not murder. Say that with me. You shall not murder. And I need to tell you right up front, we didn't advertise this was the commandment this week because 99.9% of people say, I can stay in bed. I don't need this one. But the reality is there's something more than meets the eye. There's something more that Jesus is pointing to. In fact, when we have Jesus making commentary on this, let's take a look at what he says that's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. It says, you have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Oh, this takes it a little different place. Makes me scratch my head. I mean, I've never heard quite the understanding that murder and hatred can be that close. I mean, I've never heard a judge in a court, I find you guilty of attempted hatred. And yet somehow, Jesus is making a connection here. John puts it this way in 1 John chapter 4. He says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. And whoever does not love their brother or sister who they have seen, they cannot love God whom they've not seen. Lord, I pray that today, even though some of us hear this commandment and we sit back and think, oh, I'm off the hook, you've got something to say to us today. And in fact, I believe you're going to bring victory. You're going to bring overcoming power. You're going to bring freedom. You're going to bring healing. You're going to bring wisdom to us to know how to respond when we face circumstances. That you're going to teach us what to do when we struggle. Thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks that you're here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to come and work in each one of us. Bring your convicting power, your freeing power, and your hope. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. All of it reduces to two things. Love God, love your neighbor. So as you're being seated, give somebody a heart. All right. Okay, so let's go back to this passage that Jesus gives to us about understanding his interpretation of no murder. He says... Don't say certain things. Don't respond in a certain way. And one of the things he says is don't say to your brother or sister, Raka. How many of you have ever said Raka to somebody? What is he talking about? Well, in the original language, the word Raka means worthless. Worthless. In other words, when somebody takes somebody's life, they're basically saying, you have no worth. You have no value. And we can do that in a lot more ways than just ending someone's life on earth. We can murder their hopes, 
their dreams, their self-confidence. We can murder people by saying, you're worthless, by treating people as if they have no worth. And what Jesus comes to do is say, I want you to understand that there's a deeper level. The Pharisees were only interested because Jesus says, and you've heard it said, don't murder because you'll be in danger of the courts. They were only interested in the external, in the courts, and what would happen there. Jesus is saying, no, this is a matter of the heart. There's something deeper inside that leads to that that I want to make sure we deal with. Something inside of you. In fact, in Romans 13, Paul puts it this way. He says, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, they're all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself, because love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. What we're going to do today is, amen, let's give God thanks for that message. What we're going to do today is I'm going to give you a strategy. When you deal with difficult moments, when you deal with difficult people, that you'll have a strategy to know what to do. The first point is this, wait, wait. This is the Jesus perspective. A lot of times, how many of you know that our first response is not always the best response? Somebody says something about us? Somebody does something to us, somebody hurts us, somebody writes something, somebody crosses us and brings offense. What is our first reaction? The word of the Lord is, hey, don't be so fast, wait. I am really grateful that I don't own a James Bond car. I remember when I was in elementary school, they had one of the James Bond cars at the local mall. And this thing had this little button you pushed and you could shoot out the tires of people around you. I am so glad I don't have that because I'd be repenting from the hundreds of cars on the side of the road whose tires I shot out. Somebody pulls in front of you, somebody says something, somebody does something and there's this reaction that rises up within us. We tend to want to respond in the same way of what happened to us. Something happens, and we want to make it right by doing the same thing. But Jesus is saying, wait, I want to give you my perspective. In Isaiah 55, he puts it this way. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, because the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. How many know that our first reaction is not always the best one? So here's part of the problem. People do things to us that hurt us. And we get these lenses on and we start to see everything through our hurts. What they did, what they said, their offense. Now, you might not realize it, but these are blue glasses. And you know what happens when I put them on? You are blue. But are you really blue? No, you just look blue to me. Why? These glasses color the way I see you. And when I've got hurts, offenses, frustrations, anger, hatred in my heart, it affects how I view my circumstances. And that's why this first step is to wait 
and gain the perspective of Jesus. So it not only hurts that make us see incorrectly, sometimes there are lies that have been spoken over us, lies that, lies that we believe, you'll never be good enough, nobody likes you, nothing will ever work for you, and then everything happens like, see, nobody likes me, oh, see, nothing ever works for me. Because we look through these glasses of lies. But what we're going to look at today is that there is a strategy that overcomes lies, that overcomes hurts, so that we have the Jesus perspective. And that's what we want to do today. We want to see things the way Jesus sees them. Amen? We want Jesus to give us a glimpse. We want Jesus to show us the way he sees us. We want Jesus to give us a glimpse of how he sees those people around us, the ones who are offending us, the ones hurting us, the ones we're struggling with. He wants to give us these glasses so that we can see our circumstances the way he sees them. In fact, I put it up on the screen here. It says, we need Jesus' glasses to see clearly. We need Jesus' hearing aids to hear correctly. We need Jesus' pacemaker to help our heart beat as one with him. We need his perspective. God, let me see myself, these circumstances, this offense, this frustration, this atmosphere, this culture. Let me see it the way you see it and give me a glimpse of what you want to do. I want to take a moment to sort of give you some things that describe us. One of the things that describes is my age. I can't help how old I am, can't reverse the clock, can't go backwards. My age describes me. Another one is my gender. My gender describes me. My race describes me. My education describes me. My socioeconomic situation, whether it's good or bad, describes me. My job describes me. The nation I was born into describes me. My marital status describes me. My sports affiliations, either teams I follow or sports I play, describes me. My hobby describes me. I could go on and on with probably 50 things that describe me. I'm a male. I'm white. I have this. I experience that. Those are the things that describe me. But there's something else that's a little more important. There are things that define me. And the things that define me is this. I am in the image of God. God created me in his image. And second of all, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. That's how he describes me. A child of God. This defines me. This is how I know who I am. This is how I know who you are. You are also in the image of God. You are also a child of God. Now, our descriptions may be very different. We might have a few in common. We might have some that are very different. And here's the truth of how we live this life. We live out of what defines us. We live out of what defines us, but we love out of what describes us. 
We live out of what defines us. This is how I choose to live. In life with you, before God, I live as his beloved son. I live in his image. But this describes me. These are things that describe me. They do not define me. If I start to find my definition of these, it's gonna cause separation. It's gonna build walls. It's gonna cause judgment. So let me sort of break this down. The enemy says your value comes from what you do, what you look like, what you have, where you've been, who you identify with. That's where the enemy gives value. And where God says we have value is he says we are who he says he says we are and we are in him as his children. Now, let me unpack this again. When I live that way, that gives me the right perspective on you. Because we're all in his image, we're all his children. But when I start to define people by their description, then it's like, oh, you know Americans, oh, you know men, oh, you know white people. All of a sudden what we start to do is, if this is how we define people, it builds walls and separations. Let me give you the scriptures about this definition of who we are. Ephesians 2.10, here's what Paul says. We are his workmanship. He created us. He formed us. And he goes on to say in Genesis, God created all of us in his image. That's how he made us. Every human being through all of history, everybody who's alive now, no matter how good, bad, or ugly they are, they're all in the image of God. That's how we relate. That's how we can love God and love others. In 1 John, as another great statement about our definition, when John writes, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. This is the perspective I need to maintain. This is how I need to see myself. This is how I need to see you. And this is how I need to see those people out there who are offending me, hurting me, Working against God's purposes in my life. God, let me see myself the way you see me. Let me see them the way you see them. So the first thing we do when we encounter difficult situations, the first thing we do when we encounter offense, frustration, if we need wisdom to know how to respond in any way, the first thing we do is we stop and we wait to get the Jesus perspective. The second thing is this, abide. Say that with me, abide. This is the Jesus strategy. In John 15, we read these words when Jesus is in the upper room. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is how we respond. Let me break it down. When Satan fell from heaven, we read in clearly in Isaiah that it was because of pride. He wanted to be in the center. Because of pride, Satan fell. We read the commentary on Adam and Eve's sin. It lists some of the reasons. One of them was the pride of life. They also wanted to be in the center. And in fact, I'll tell you, every sin you've ever committed is rooted in pride. Don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. I'm just too good to be true. <laughs> That's pride. Pride is the root of every sin. P 
pride is when I find my identity in these things. But my identity can't be in my race, my gender, my financial status, my education, my nation, my job, my marriage. This is not what defines me. So pride puts those things at the center. Pride puts me at the center. How did Jesus decide to deal with breaking the power of pride in mankind and breaking the power of pride in you and me? Here's what he did. He humbled himself and came to earth and took on the form of man. He humbled himself and washed feet. He humbled himself and became a servant. He humbled himself and went to the cross. How did Jesus defeat pride? Humility. It was the opposite. This is the Jesus strategy. When we abide in the word, we recognize that his strategy is we do the opposite of what our flesh would do by itself. We wait, we stop. Okay, God, give me your perspective. Who I am, who they are, how you see this. And then we say, what's that opposite spirit look like? Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. put it this way. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Notice what that is. Light is the opposite of darkness. Love is the opposite of hate. We overcome by doing the opposite. Because here's why. Pride divides us. But humility unites us. Pride will separate me from you based on any number of these. Oh, you're what? I'm this. Pride will divide me. But humility, in other words, these are the things God has given me through which his love can flow. God's love can flow through me at my age, maybe differently than it did at another age or at your age. God's love can flow through me based on any number of these. These are the means by which his love is intended to flow through me because they describe me. But it's all rooted in the fact that I'm in his image. There's a great passage of scripture in Romans that sort of brings this to life. In fact, this is the heart of the New Testament. It says, bless those who persecute you. What? What? Bless those who persecute you. Keep on blessing them and never curse them. Live in harmony with each other. Do not be arrogant, but associate with humble people. See all these opposites here? Do not pay back anyone evil for evil. That's what we tend to do. If your enemy's hungry, ha feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. If you do this, you will pile burning coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Now, I've heard a few bad sermons on this. Oh, you bless those who curse you and you'll put fire on his head and he'll just burn up. No, that's not what that means. That's not what that means at all. Here's what happens. You bless those who curse you. You pray for those who use you. And here's what that's all about. In those days, nobody had an oven or a stove in their house. How do you think they prepared their meals? They got up in the morning. They cooked breakfast, two bricks with a grate and the coals underneath it, and they heated their breakfast on the coals. But resources are small. You can't 24-7 keep a fire going in your house. You know, they were cooking over water buffalo dung and camel dung, and it just, you don't keep it burning all night. 
But what happens is there was one guy in every city. He was the keeper of the coals. And what he would do is he'd keep a fire going all night long. And a little bit before sunrise, he'd let that fire build up, let all the coals burn down. He'd take shovel, put those coals in a brass bowl, put that brass bowl on a wooden block on his head, and he'd go through town, house to house. And you couldn't wait till he got there. Because as soon as he got there, you got your coals, you put them on, you made your fire, you fed your family. Nobody could not appreciate this guy and his gift. He made sure everybody got breakfast in the morning. So what this passage says, when you bless those who curse you, you turn an enemy into someone who actually ends up bringing blessing to people around them. That's what we do. It changes things. Let's look at this study in opposites. Matthew 5 says this, we're to bless those who curse us, pray for those who use us. Perfect love casts out all fear. A soft answer turns away wrath. Light overcomes darkness. The Bible is filled with this strategy, the way you deal with difficult moments, difficult people, difficult situations, you wait, you stop, you get Jesus' perspective, and then you stand on his word and you have his strategy to respond in the opposite spirit. That leads us to the third part, which is this, we stand. We stand, which is the Jesus response. We stand. First Peter 3, 9 puts it this way. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Wait, wait, what? Our tendency is to give evil for evil. Our tendency is to give insult for insult. But he says, respond with blessing, because this is where you were called so you would inherit a blessing. I've dealt with this far too many times in marital counseling. She said this, he did this. Well, you did this, well, you did that. We tend to want to do the same thing back and forth. You criticize me, I criticize you. You hurt me, I hurt you. You say something bad about me, I say something. That's the flesh response. But Peter says here, instead of responding to insult with insult, return with blessing and you will inherit a blessing. What that means is when you respond to the opposite spirit, you're planting seeds of blessing that you can reap in your life. When Jesus came, he turned the world upside down. It's an upside down response. What do you mean humility overcomes pride? What do you mean bless those who curse? What do you mean soft answer turns away wrath? He turned the world upside down with the kingdom of God to show us that there's a strategy and a place to stand in his response that will be the victory every time. He changed the rules. Now, here's some of the rules that exist in mankind. The golden rule, we all know, do to others as you would have them do to you. Actually, that's pretty selfish. I'd be nice to you, so you'll be nice to me. That's a pretty selfish rule, to be quite honest, even though it's called golden. Now, just a little less than that is the silver rule. Do to others what they do to you. Well, you did it to me. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'll do it back to you. Even worse is the bronze rule. Do to others before they do to you. I know some people out there like that. But the rule Jesus came to set into place for you and me to follow is the platinum rule, because that's one of the strongest. Do unto others as Jesus would do to them. That's the call. It's not just do good things so they'll do good to you. It's Jesus, give me your perspective. How do you see them? (gasps) They're in your image. They're your child. I am not going to treat them worthless because one of their descriptors is different than mine. Now I put those descriptors, there's other ones like introvert, extrovert, there's, you know, political parties, there's, there's all these ways we can describe ourselves, but they don't define us. This is our definition. So we respond in the opposite spirit. 
Let me go through some of those again. Here's some more from the New Testament. Bless those who persecute you. Feed your enemies. Overcome evil with good. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. That's what he calls us to do, to respond in the opposite spirit. One of the most famous statements of this is by St. Francis of Assisi in a prayer that he prayed. And here's how it goes. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, what do I sow? The opposite. Let me sow love. Where there's injury, let me sow pardon. Where there's doubt, what's the opposite? Let me sow faith. Where there's despair, God, let me bring hope. Where there's darkness, I'm going to respond with light. Where there's sadness, I want to respond with joy. These are responding in the opposite spirit. We wait. We abide in his word of responding. We take his strategy. And then we continue to walk in his power. This is what his desire is for us. I don't know about you. I can't do this on my own. I want to shoot the tire out. I want to come back with a response. I want to tell them off. But we have an exercise here at Cathedral of Faith that helps us. And it goes like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens more. Me. One more time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do this on my own. I need... I need the Jesus perspective to be able to see the way he sees, to be able to see myself, to see others, to see my circumstances from his perspective instead of through my hurts and through my lies. You know, part of our core values here at Cathedral of Faith, anything is possible. But you know what that means? Because anything is possible, we're gonna have a whole lot of different situations, which means the love has to be lived out no matter what the situation. Everybody's welcome, which means we're going to have a whole lot of different descriptions of people, but it's where the love is lived out. Nobody's perfect, which means we're going to have a lot of different sins among us, but the love is lived out. That's the response to these differences that we run into. I have to live out of what defines me, but I have to love out of those descriptors. That's his plan. That's his purpose. That's his desire for us. So whenever you're facing a situation, we wait, we stop. Ask God for his strategy. This works in every scenario. You're in an office where it's competitive. Everybody's shining the spotlight on itself. It's all about me. They're tearing everybody down. How do you deal with that? You respond in the opposite spirit. You start building people up. You start acknowledging what they're doing. And when you respond to the opposite spirit, it begins to change the atmosphere. You have a teenager who's disrespectful. First of all, let me say, if you've been verbally disrespectful to your boss, your nation, or anybody in authority in front of your kids, you taught them how to do that. So don't blame, get all upset with them. But the way you get over disrespect is you begin to show respect to your teen. Respecting who that, that doesn't mean they get away with everything. But respect overcomes disrespect. You're in a marriage where a spouse comes home and just complains all the time about everything. Nothing's ever right. What you do is you do the opposite. You begin to show gratitude. 
you begin to show appreciation. That opposite attitude conquers that. We live in a greedy community. I mean, let's face it, 49ers, 49ers were gold miners who came here to get rich. Most of the people who moved to California came here to get rich, dot com, Silicon Valley, gold. How do you overcome the spirit of greed? Every time we put something in the offering, we defeat that. Every time we give, every time we're generous with our lives and our finances, we are defeating that spirit that operates in our community. God wants us to respond in the opposite spirit. And I want to challenge you, no matter what you face in your life and whatever area, this is his strategy. This isn't just about not murdering somebody. This is about finding the value and worth in every circumstance and every person the way God sees them. This past week, my wife's Uncle Bill went to be with the Lord. He's sort of the last of the family. And it's been tough sort of navigating that because I think we kept her mom and dad alive by serving him. And we've spent every Christmas there for almost the last 12 years. We'd fly to Pittsburgh to be with him. And this past summer when I was with Uncle Bill, he was struggling. He's all alone in a nursing home, nobody to speak life into him. And he's like, I don't know if I'm really a Christian. How do I know? He watched a Christian TV show that some pastor said, you might not really be saved. And it put a doubt in him. And he's like, I don't know if I'm really a Christian. I don't know if I really know Christ. And as I sat with him and talked to him, heard his concerns, I did this very same process. You wait. Lord, give me your perspective. And then I wrote down some things. And I made a little card for him. Actually, I made a bunch of them to put all around his room. Then when he'd start to hear those doubts and fears, when he'd start to struggle, he would say, wait. And I had him read this. I believe what the Bible says. I'm forgiven in Jesus' name. He's my savior. I'm God's beloved son. He's my heavenly father. I am not rejected. The Lord loves me with an everlasting love. I'm not alone because the Lord is always with me. The Lord says, I've chosen you and not rejected you, so do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. One of the blessings of the summer was when he'd say, it's making a difference. When I start to feel that struggle, I read the truth, because light overcomes darkness. So whatever you're dealing with, personal hurts, situations, circumstances, difficulties, you go, God, what is, what is your perspective? Show me how you see me, how you see this, and then give me that opposite strategy. How do I respond to the opposite spirit? And then how do I stand in that response? Let's go through those three things again. First of all, we wait, which is we get the Jesus perspective. We abide in his word, which is where we get his strategy to respond in the opposite spirit, and we stand. That's his response. When you're dealing with a circumstance with your family, your kids, your workplace, internal lies, the enemy's speaking to you, you pause, you wait, ask for Jesus' perspective, ask him to show you what it looks like in the opposite spirit. You might need to write a card that says wait and put on the back that scripture that is the light to the lie you're believing. And then you stand and respond the way he would have you respond. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. This is more than just ending somebody's life. 
It's about understanding our own worth and the worth of everyone on this earth. Forgive us for times that we let our descriptions divide us from others. When you look at us, rich or poor, young or old, whatever employment, whatever race, whatever nationality, all you see is a child of God made in your image. So help us to know how to respond. I just pray that in these next moments as we wait on you, you would give strategies to people. You would give them scriptures that would be the opposite to the lie they're dealing with or the hurt they're working through or the offense they're trying to get over. Give them your perspective and give them light, scriptures of light they can abide in that will overcome the lies. We come to wait on you, to hear from you. Holy Spirit, speak to each of us. In just a moment, we're gonna receive Holy Communion and as we prepare our hearts, I just want you to wait on the Lord as Nia Allen comes back again with the worship team to lead us in this song to focus on Jesus.
take some time. Sometimes we need to take some time and be still. Just take some time and wait. When you don't know what else to do, just wait. When you don't know what else to do, wait. Oh, his thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. His plans are better. Let's stand together. When Jesus was on the cross, he demonstrated this very concept of responding in the opposite spirit. Something we usually have to just wait for him to work in us. He humbled himself, came to earth, humbled himself, went to the cross, humbled himself and gave his life for us. And while he's on the cross, dying for you and me, here's what he says in Luke 23, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Even on the cross, he's like, let me have the right glasses. Let me see this the right way. He's being crucified. He's being murdered, which is the opposite of this command. And yet in the midst of that, Father, forgive them. I want you to know this forgiveness for you. Whatever sins you've committed, even murder, God forgives. Even treating people like they're worthless, tearing them down, walking through a fence in this moment because of what he did in his body, we are forgiven in Jesus' name. Lord, you know every one of us here, you know what we need to lay at your feet. We thank you. No matter what the sin, 
no matter what the issue, you forgive us. You responded in the opposite spirit so that we could have life where death was working. I pray that as each of us receive this, as we continue to wait upon you, you would give your strategy, your wisdom, your strength, your peace. We receive now the broken body of Christ. You are forgiven in Jesus' name. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup. In one sense, the bread speaks of the past. Our past is forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions and sins from us. He buries them into the sea of forgetfulness. This is about our future. The value he has, the hope he has, the calling he has, the purpose he has, how he wants to use you so that you can love him with all your heart and love all these other broken people the way he does. Lord, we receive your strength. We can't do it on our own, but we can do all things through you, Lord Jesus, who strengthens us. Let's receive now the blood of Christ. Let's just take a moment to give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. couple things before we go. Following service, there'll be pastors outside to pray with you. If you'd like someone to agree with you for a situation you're dealing with. I also invite you to pray for Pastor Ken and Elisa. As you know, we have a close relationship with Gaetano Satilli in Italy. We have campus over there that we're working with. Pastor Ken's going to be over there speaking and ministering in Italy. So pray for safe travels, pray for blessing, pray for the word of the Lord for him. Not only for those people, but as he prepares to come back and serve us. Also, what a blessing to have Nia here with us this weekend. She has some songs, a devotional. She's going to be out in the foyer afterwards. You can connect with her and get a picture, have her sign something. And also, uh, we have um, real options out there who would like to connect with you if you'd like to find a place to serve and be blessed by them. Let me speak God's blessing on you. Lord, we thank you. You have a strategy for us. You know the difficulties we face, the offenses we deal with, the hurts we try to overcome, and you have a strategy. Bring your light where there's darkness. Bring hope where there's despair. Bring your life where death is setting in. I pray that you would bless Pastor Ken and Elisa, strengthen them, encourage them, give them safe travels. Let the word of the Lord be strong upon them and refresh them during this time. Even though they're serving and ministering, let them be refreshed and strengthened and come back with a renewed sense of your purposes for us as a church family. Bless my brothers and sisters. Encourage us. Give us your wisdom as we wait on you. May your grace be poured out and your love flow through us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week in the Lord.